You're listening to a Sun Life podcast. We pray that you be blessed by the teaching of God's word. For more information, visit sunlife.org.au. Enjoy the sermon. Good morning, 1045. Uh, it's good to have you here. And for those joining us online, uh, we would love for you to be here if you can. Uh, we've got plenty of spots for you to join us. Uh, for those who don't know me, my name is Bin, and I'm the senior pastor of Sun Life Church. And it's always a joy to open up the Word of God. As we study God's Word, I really believe that God speaks to us. And this morning here, I have the privilege of unpacking uh, the last section of Joel chapter 3, right? We've been going through the book of Joel. It's been a seven, eight-week series. So if you have your Bible, this is the best time to open your Bible up to Joel chapter 3 from verse 17 to the end of the book. Um, if you don't have your Bible, it's okay. Um, we've got the passage on the screen. Um, if you have your church app, here's a great time to open up the church app as well because you have the notes and you can take some notes uh, in regard to this morning's message, okay? A bit, a bit, a bit about myself, uh, I don't watch much TV. Uh, I would probably watch maybe an hour a day if I can and it's between 6 and 7 o'clock when we watch uh, the, the, the news together as a family. But if I do watch TV, if I do watch TV, I love my reality TV shows, all right? And if I do watch it, it's usually a replay at the end of the night with my wife. You know, we watch, we watch the replay. So I'm really big into things like MasterChef, um, The Voice, uh, Farmer Wants a Wife, um, you know, The Bachelor. I know, do forgive me, I'm sorry. Uh, but I want you to just, I want you to imagine with me. And for those who are not reality uh, TV fans, just try to imagine with me. You enter the show, you enter the show, whatever it may be. And before they start filming the series, the producer grabs you aside, pulls you, whispers into your ear, you've got this. You're going to win this. You will be crowned Australia's master chef at the end of the series. You've got this. Farmer Tom, he will propose to you at the very end. You will receive the last red rose from the bachelorette. Like, you know, like you, you've got this. How would you feel? Like, you'd be like, this is amazing. I've got this. You wouldn't worry, right? You wouldn't worry. Even if you're, you're watching Farmer Tom having a moment with Jessica, yeah, you wouldn't worry because you know that at the end of the day, he's going to propose to you. Oh, you're in the final. You're in the final with Raj, that famous Indian chef who's renowned for the hottest lamb vindaloo curry. You wouldn't worry because you're going to beat him because you'll get to the final and you'll be crowned master chef. Is that right? Yeah. You see, at the very end of Joel, in Joel chapter 3, there's a prophecy. And Joel begins to say to God's people, your ending is actually not doom and gloom, but rather security and prosperity. It's going to be an amazing ending. It brought them so much hope. Because remember, the people of God, they were experiencing such hardship, such devastation. But Joel was saying, no. The tide have turned. At the very end, your ending is going to be amazing. And he begins to prophesize and he begins to describe what their ending would look like. And I believe that Judah's glorious future is also our glorious future. So what I want to do this morning is I want to unpack the last part of chapter 3 just to talk about this glorious future of Judah and how that is also our future if we place our trust in Jesus Christ. And what I notice here at the very last part of chapter 3 is that there's three descriptions of Judah's future. Number one, Joel says, you will be a holy people. Number two, you'll be a fulfilled people. In other words, there'll be such satisfaction at the very end. 
And finally, you're eternally blessed. You will enjoy God forever, evermore. So that's what I want to talk about. So let me pray and we'll dive into the text. Father God, would you help me? Would you give me strength to preach your word with clarity, with passion, with accuracy? And Holy Spirit, would you take my words and begin to minister to those who need to hear this word? Will you speak to us? Would we leave this morning hearing from you as we study your word? Help me. Give me your strength in this point in time. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay, you ready? Have you got your Bibles open? Joel chapter 3 from verse 17 onwards. Joel says to the people of Judah, you're a holy people. Look with me in verse 17. He says, so you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who dwells in Zion, my holy mountain. And Jerusalem shall be holy, and strangers shall never pass through it again. You notice the word holy. This is the first time that holiness is mentioned in the book of Joel. But look carefully. He says that Jerusalem shall be holy. The people of Jerusalem shall be holy. Look carefully in the text. Because who dwells in Zion? Who dwells in Jerusalem? God Himself. God says that you're holy because of my holy presence. He also says in the text that strangers will never pass through Zion or Jerusalem again. The, the strangers here refers to people who were God's enemies, people who would defile the glory of God, the holiness of God. And so what Joel will say is that those people would never ever come into the presence of God and destroy or tarnish or damage the holiness of God. It will be a place where it will be holy and you will be holy because I am there. That's what he says right here. And this would have been great news for the people of God back then because holiness would have been the last thing on their mind. Remember, they were being punished. There was destruction, devastation because of their wickedness. And right now, Joel says, no, at the end of the day, on the day of the Lord, you will be my holy people. That's where you're going. That's the end of your story. And for us as Christians, we need to understand that God also sees us as being holy. Like you can look at the person next to you right now, give them a wink and say, you know what, you're holy. It's so true. Do it. Do it right now. You're holy. Right? It is so true. I was down at the footy club uh, some months ago doing my thing. And one of the old timers, one of the old timers grabbed me aside and started asking me about our church, starting asking about Sun Life Church. And he said, like, like would, would, would someone like me be welcome at your church? Would can, can, can I come to, to Sun Life Church? And I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a saint. I don't have that halo. I'm not holy. I'm still a sinner. And I said to him, by all means, come. You know, we accept everyone. You know, we're, we're not pure. We're, we're still sinners. We still struggle. We, we, we still make mistakes. We're not, we're not perfect. We're not holy. I mean, you ask the person next to you right now, are they holy? I'm pretty sure their response would be, no, I'm not holy. I'm still a sinner. I, I'm broken. I do things I shouldn't do. I say things I shouldn't say. I think of things I shouldn't think of, right? And we hear that a lot in Christianity, that we'd rather pick I am broken over I am holy. Because when we say that I am holy, there's a connotation that we're a bit arrogant and egocentric. So we tend to say, I'm a sinner. I am broken. I'm not perfect. I still make mistakes. And sometimes what we do is we use that as an excuse to live a life of sinfulness. And we say, well, that's the reason why I make that mistake. That's the reason why I do that is because I'm broken, because I'm still a work in progress. But I look in the Bible and God says, no, you're holy. 
Now, we rarely talk about holiness. We rarely talk about the fact that we are actually holy people because God sees us as being holy. And God gave up His Son so that we would become holy. And we need to understand that. And if God sees us as being holy, we need to pursue holiness. We need to keep living a life that is holy before God and those around us, especially those who may not know Him. You know, 1 Peter chapter 2, the Apostle Peter says this in verse 9, but you are a chosen people. You're chosen. A, a, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You see that? A God's special possession that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. You see what Peter's saying? God has called you out of darkness. You are God's prized possession. You are a holy people. One of the hallmarks of Christianity, listen carefully, one of the hallmarks of Christianity is holiness. And we have to be people who realize that God sees us as being holy, therefore we must pursue holiness. I, I love uh, pastor theologian Kevin DeYoung. He says this, I quote him, the reason for your entire salvation, right, the design behind your deliverance out of darkness into light, death into life, the purpose for which God chose you in the first place is holiness. And holiness means this, listen carefully, I want to teach you this. Holiness means two things, two components. Number one, a separation from the world or anything that's sinful, that's one, and, right, set apart for the purposes of God, that's two. Like you can separate yourself from sinfulness and the world and not live for God's purposes, that's not holiness. Or you can live for the purposes of God, do great things in the church, but behind closed door, you're still living a sinful life. That's not holiness. You understand? You've got to separate yourself from whatever is sinful. And maybe right now, God is speaking to some of us that there's something that you're still doing that is not bringing glory to God. You've got to separate yourself for that and then now live for the purposes of God. We have to pursue holiness because God sees us as being holy. The prophecy that God spoke through Joel for Judah, that they are a holy people, is the same for Christians today, that God sees you and I as holy. And so we must pursue holiness, not because we want blessings from God. You know what I mean? Like there's some Christians out there that will teach you, pursue holiness because God will bless you more, God will love you more, God will take care of you more. No. no. God has done everything for you in Christ Jesus so that you ought to be holy. Your holiness is a response to the grace of God. All the blessings that you have already received in Christ Jesus is for you. Now pursue holiness. Now Paul says this very clearly in first a chapter of Ephesians, verses 3 and 4. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. You see that? Paul says, you have all the spiritual blessing. You have everything in Christ. Verse 4, for He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be what? To be holy and what? Blameless in His sight. Are, are you still attached to something that is damaging the glory of God? Is there something that you're still holding on to? You're doing and you know this is not bringing glory to God. This is a good time to repent to ask God to help you, to find someone to pray for you, to confess your sin and have someone that you trust minister 
to you, to lay hands, to pray and stand with you and help you, keep you accountable. If there is something that you are still holding on to that you need to detach, you need someone to do this with you. And if you're someone right now where you're like, well, well Pastor Ben, you know, I'm holy, I'm all good, you need prayer. Because <laughs> we all struggle, all right? But we need people to help us to leave whatever is hindering us from bringing glory to God. Ask yourself this question. When you're with unchurched people, when you're with your friends who don't know Christ, do they see Christ in you? Do they see a holiness in you? Do they see that you're being set apart for the purposes of God to do God's work? Or you just match and you just blend and you're just exactly like them? Ask yourself those questions. And if you feel right now God is speaking to you through me as we study the Scripture, that you need some prayer. You need someone to stand beside you. Hey, we're a church that we are not perfect, but we know who God wants us to be. God wants us to be holy. Therefore, we're going to pursue holiness and we're going to stand with you. We're going to pray with you and we're going to do this together. We want to be set apart from, from whatever that is hindering us and live for the glory of God. Amen? So that's what we see right here. We have to pursue holiness because God sees us as being holy. The second thing we see here. He begins to say that you're a fulfilled people. In other words, at the very, very end, you're totally fulfilled in God. There's such satisfaction in God. Go with me in verse 18 onwards. He says this, And in that day, the mountains shall drip sweet wine. My, my imagination kind of got a bit wild when I was studying this during the week. Mountains dripping sweet wine. Oh my goodness. Imagine climbing up a mountaintop and you're thirsty and to your right there's a rock. Start sucking that rock. That's Shiraz. Oh, yeah. And you're a bit further and you're a bit tired and that's some Kev Sebs and Merlot. How good is that? I mean, that's what the Bible is saying, right? There is mountain dripping with not bitter, but sweet wine. Let's continue on. The hills shall flow with milk. Come on. I'm not a big milk fan here. But I know some of you, you love your milk. You love your soya milk, full cream milk, low-fat milk, almond milk, whatever. Let your imagination run wild right now. All right. All the milk you can drink, it's right there. Look again. And all the stream beds of Judah shall be flowing with water. They'll be flowing with water. Remember, in the very beginning, in chapters 1, the stream bed all dried up. And right now, it's flowing with water. And the fountain shall come forth from the house of the Lord and the water uh, and water the valley of Sittim. Now, this, this valley of Sittim here, and I'm, I'm very mindful how I pronounce this, this weather, valley of Sittim here is actually not a location. Like, it's not a location. We, the, the historians and, and, and scholars cannot find the location. So what they do is they go, well, the Hebrew word Sittim actually describes a particular tree that loves to grow in very dry places. All right, and you think about that. And what, what Job is saying is that on the last day, there will be abundance in a place that's very dry. You see, these are all imageries. These are all pictures of a reversal of what took place in the first chapter to the last chapter. They're all imageries. If you remember the verse, first chapter, go with me. Job chapter 1, verse 10. The grain is destroyed. The new wine dried up. You see that? No grain. No, no wine. Verse 12. The vine is dried up. No grapes. Nothing. The fig tree is withered. 
Do you see that? In chapter 1, it's total destruction. There's nothing. There's no water. There's no stream beds. There's no wine. There's no vine. But in the end of chapter 3, he says that your ending is that you won't be lacking. You'll be satisfied. There'll be plenty. You'll be fulfilled. That's what he's saying. A picture with me, imagine one morning you get a phone call from your bestie. Your bestie calls you up and says, you know what? You know our dieting program that we've been doing for the last few months? I feel that we should just put that on hold for one second. I feel that we should go to the Epicurean all-you-can-eat buffet. Forget about the dieting program. Let's, let's enjoy that night where we're going to have all the oysters we want, all the lobsters, if there's lobsters there. <laughs> you know, let's just eat all the carbs we like. You know, I feel that God wants us to do this. <laughs> I'm going to shout you. <laughs> how would you feel? Like, how would that day look like for you? I'm pretty sure that day you won't be having a big breakfast. <laughs> you might not even have a big lunch because you know what's around the corner. I'm pretty sure even on that day, let's say you forgot to bring lunch to work. It's no biggie. Is that right? Because you're going to eat pretty well at the end of the night. I'm pretty sure if you're a student and you have no money, for anything, morning tea, afternoon tea, lunch, it's no biggie because you know around the corner you're going to enjoy that, right? It's going to be pretty good, right? That's what we see right here. You see, what Joel is saying is that the people of Judah, right now you are lacking because remember, they've lost everything. But at the very, very end, you'll be satisfied. You'll be fulfilled in God. So whatever you're experiencing right now, it's no biggie. And I want you to understand that. Because in your heart of hearts, listen carefully, church, if you know that you're in Christ and at the very end of the day, you'll be satisfied, you'll be fulfilled in Him, whatever you are lacking today is no biggie. Because you get to enjoy Him forevermore. That's why for some of us this morning here, okay, you do not have that fancy car that your friends have, but you have Jesus, you are fulfilled. You know, you might not have the dream job that you really want to have, but you have Jesus, you are fulfilled. You might not have the life that everyone portrays on social media with that perfect family, with that ideal lifestyle. You may be single right now and you long to have a partner and you feel that this is such a tough season, but you still have Jesus. I want you to know you will be fulfilled. That's what we see right here. God says to the people of Judah, Whatever season you're in, whatever season you're about to enter, you may feel it's lacking, but at the end of the day, you will be satisfied, you'll be fulfilled in God, so keep trusting God. And God is saying that to some of us this morning right here. Whatever you are experiencing right now, and you feel that you're lacking, but you still have Jesus, you are not lacking. You are fulfilled. Jesus is all that you need. All that you need. I love John Piper. John Piper says this. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. What John Piper is saying is this, is when you learn to know that God is all that you have and all that you need, you would live a life that brings glory to God because you would not walk around moping around going, oh, woe to me, I don't have this, I wish I have that, it's not fair, what about me, what about me? No, 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 you have Jesus and you are satisfied in Him, therefore you would walk around saying, that's okay. I'm not lacking. I've got all I need, and He's Jesus. I know what my story looks like at the very end. I'll be fulfilled in Him. 
I don't really care this season of, of hardship and darkness and lacking. I've got Jesus. He's all I need. And when you live a life like that, you know who you bring glory to? God. And that's what we see right here. You know, I know of people in this church, and you know who you are. You know, when I spend time with you, you encourage me so much. Because in your situation, you're lacking. You don't have what most people have. You're struggling. You're getting through every month. But every time I spend time with you, you talk about Jesus. And you're so satisfied in Jesus. You're so fulfilled in Jesus. And you encourage me. You're like the merchant in the parable of Jesus, the merchant that kind of sold and gave up everything just to have that fine pearl. You see, in that parable, what Jesus is saying is that if you were to lose everything and have me, I'm all that you need because I will fulfill everything. And that's you. For some of you, and I thank God that you're in this church because you encourage me and you remind me the simplicity of life. And I want you to share that testimony to as many people as possible to let the world know that you may not have everything, but you have Jesus and Jesus is all that you need. He's more than enough. Keep sharing that testimony because I know there will be a day where God may strip everything away, but you still have Jesus. And you can look at the Word of God and say, I know my ending. I know what it will be like that I will be fulfilled in Him. But sadly, I know of people who you still try to find fulfillment in this world. Please don't find your fulfillment in a person, in a job, in a position, in a status, in a church. Find your fulfillment in God Himself. And if that is you this morning, if God is speaking to you through me, then maybe it's time to say, God, I'm so sorry. You know, I, I don't, I don't want to wait for that day where I am stripped with nothing, that I'm forced to find total joy in you. I don't want to wait for the day. I, I want to start changing today and know that you're all that I need. I'm so blessed that I have what I have. And what I have is just a blessing. You're all that I need. And so well, that's what we see. Joel prophesies and says to the people of Judah at the very end, you'll be fulfilled. It's okay. So Sun Life Church, for some of you, whatever season you're in right now, you feel lacking, you feel it's hard, I want you to know right now, at the very end of your story, you won't be lacking. You'll be satisfied, you'll be fulfilled in God alone. Amen? Amen. Lastly, he says that the people of Judah, you're an eternally blessed people. Eternally blessed. Look with me now in verse 19 to the very end. We see a contrast between two lands, two lands. Egypt shall become a desolation and Edom a desolate wilderness. For the violence done to the people of Judah because they have shed innocent blood in their land. Verse 20. But Judah shall be inhabited forever and Jerusalem to all generations. And the last verse of this book, I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged for the Lord dwells in Zion. Can you see the contrast between two types of lands? There's a land that belongs to Egypt and Edom. You see that? And there's a land that belongs to what? Judah and Jerusalem. The land that belongs to Egypt and Edom, what do we see? The text says there's desolation, there's destruction, there's wilderness. In other words, there's no life, there's judgment. Now, the reason why Joel would use those two cities, Egypt, that country, and Edom, the Edomites, is because for the people back then, it really made sense. Do you remember the very first plague that came uh, in the very first chapter of this book? It was the what? The locusts, remember? The locusts came and destroyed all their crops. 
And the people kind of back then kind of saw the connection with the plague in the time where Moses delivered God's people out of Egypt. Remember, one of the ten plagues was locusts, right? And so for the people back then, they always saw that the Egyptians as being God's enemies. Yeah, so it, there was that connection there. Now, Edom, right, is because the prophet Joel, he quotes the prophet Obadiah a lot in chapter 2. Now, Obadiah is another prophet. But if you have time to read Obadiah, you notice as you read through this scroll, uh, Edom, the Edomites, were considered as the chief representative of God's enemies. So what Joel does is he takes Egypt, he takes Edom, he brings them together to portray a picture that these are God's enemies. People who don't want God, people who hate God, people who reject God. And so what happens to their land is that there's total what? Destruction. Can you see it? Total devastation. They will not receive that glorious future for those who are on the land of Judah and Jerusalem. So then you look at Judah and Jerusalem. What do you notice in the text? They're inhabited forever. There's people living on the land forever. There's life from generation to next generation. One, there's death. One, there's life. One, there's wilderness. One, there's inhabitation. Can you see the contrast? And so what Job is saying is this, that if you belong to God, if you love God, if you trust God, if you let Him ruin reign, your future is glorious. It's eternally blessed from generation to generation. It doesn't cease like those on the land of Edom and Egypt. It's eternal. This prophecy here in the book of Joel is also a prophecy at the very end of the Bible. Go with me to Revelation at the very end in verse 21. Look what Jesus says. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, now the thirsty here are people that long for God. I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, no cost. And to the one who conquers, the conquers here are those who are being really harassed and going through trials, but they conquer that because they trust God, will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. Now look at the contrast. But as for the cowardly, the unbelieving and all the liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Can you see the contrast there? At the very, very end of the day, the day of the Lord, we're either going to be perished eternally or we're either going to be blessed eternally. Which land are you on? Are you on Egypt and Edom? Jerusalem or Judah? For Christians today, we place our trust in Jesus. Amen. We place our hope in Jesus and we know that we belong to God. We know that at the very, very end, we get to enjoy Him forever and ever and ever. Eternally blessed. You know, I shared with you that uh, reality scenario where the producer whispered into your ears that you're the winner. I left one part out. You see, the producer whispered into your ear that you will be the winner, but you have to trust me. Don't trust the other contestant. Don't trust your own cooking skills or your vocal abilities. Don't even trust the other farmers. Don't trust yourself. Trust me. I know how to get you to the very end. You see, God whispers to us and says, 
trust my son. Put your trust in my son, Jesus. If you trust my son, all that he's done for you, you will be eternally blessed. That's where you're going. That's your ending. That's your story. At the end of history, you will enjoy the Father's presence forever and ever and evermore. You'll be blessed eternally. But you have to trust my son. Don't trust yourself. Don't trust your good works. Don't trust Pastor Bin. Don't trust the church. Don't trust your spouse. Trust Jesus. You place your trust in Jesus for what He has done on the cross, you will be eternally blessed. You will enjoy Him forevermore. You're going to have a great time. That's what God says to those who don't know Him yet. You see, the Christian faith is a beautiful faith because it's not about trusting on our works. <laughs> not about trusting on someone doing something good in the church for you or trusting on your prayer life or trusting on how much money you give or what you do to serve. No, no. It's trusting in Jesus. Jesus alone, what He has done for you and for me on the cross, that He died the death that we ought to die. He rose for our victory. If we place our trust in Him, we know we will be eternally blessed. We get to enjoy God forever and forever and forevermore. So I ask you, Son Life Church, which land are you on? Are you on Edom, Egypt, Jerusalem, Judah? The only way to be in Judas is to place your trust in God. Trust Jesus. Put your faith in Jesus. For some of us this morning right here, listen carefully. You are trusting God. You are on the land. You know that you're eternally blessed, but you are not pursuing holiness. You're not. And I really hope that God has spoken to you for areas that you need to detach yourself from. Anything that is wicked, anything that's worldly, detach yourself from it, please. And be set apart for the purposes of God. For some of us here, you're so worried. You're putting your hopes, you're putting your security in the fulfillment of what the world has to offer. Don't do that. Because that might not be around forever. I know it won't. Find your fulfillment, find your satisfaction in God alone. Because even there happens to be a day where He strips everything away, but you still have Him. He's all that you need. He's more than enough. I don't know what God has been saying to you in this series. Maybe for some of us, it's time to return. For some of us, it's time to get away from certain habits, certain lifestyle, sinful habits that we need to really get rid of it's time to return put your faith put your trust in him for some of us maybe you are not a christian and you're like pastor i need jesus in my life today so what i'm going to do now is i'm going to give us an opportunity to respond to that all eyes closed i'm going to invite you to receive jesus if you do not know jesus if you've been coming along to Sun Life Church for some time now and you have not placed your hope, your faith in Jesus, and you're like, well, Pastor Ben, I, I want to know that I will be secured in God eternally. I want to be eternally blessed. Then I tell you right now, brother, sister, to place your trust in Jesus. If that is you, I want to pray for you. I'm not here to embarrass you, but I want to know who I'm praying for. If you have been coming to church and you're like, Pastor, this is the day that I place my trust in Jesus. Can you pray for me? 
Can you raise your hands right now? Because I want to pray for you. Is there anyone here who says, yep, pray for me? Yes, I see one hand. Anyone else? Who says, I need Jesus? I want Jesus in my life. Maybe right now, God is really speaking to you. Your heart is racing. Well, that's probably the Holy Spirit saying, yep, it's time. Anyone else? Because I want to pray for you. God, I pray for this young man who receives you right now. I don't know his journey. I don't know where he is. But I know that you have a purpose for him, that you love him. I don't know whether he's been to church all those years, but haven't really met you yet and encountered you yet. This day, I pray, Holy Spirit, you enter into his life. This day, I pray, you begin to change him. This day, he is new. The old is gone. The new is here. I pray, God, you will surround him with good Christians to help him on his journey. Lord, I pray, Lord, that he will live for your glory from this day onwards. Holy Spirit, do a work in his heart right now. I also pray for anyone who's watching online right now who may raise their hand. God, you see them. I don't see them, but you see them. Holy Spirit, will you begin to work in their situation? Help them right now. Thank you, God, for saving them. Thank you for your grace in Jesus' name. I also want to pray for anyone here this morning that you realize your life is not one that is holy. You've been really convicted this morning that you're still attached to something that is really not bringing glory to God. And you need prayer. You want to detach yourself from those habits, that lifestyle, and be set apart for the work of God. If that is you this morning, I want to pray for you. Can you raise your hands right now? Yeah, I want to pray for you. Anyone else? I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, thank you. Anyone else who says, yeah, Pastor, can you include me in that prayer? Uh, I, I just need to detach from a certain lifestyle. It could be a, an addiction. It could be a, 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 whatever it is, you know, pornography, uh, hot-temperedness, just whatever it is. You say, look, Pastor, pray for me. Anyone else? God, I pray for those who raise their hand. Yep, you see them. Lord, we, we live in a broken world, so we're always going to have issues. And we know that Lord, that the evil one wants to really destruct, uh, destroy us and discourage us. So God, I pray for my brother and sister who've raised their hands and says, look, God, would you help them? Would you help them to overcome any uh, temptation, any addiction, anything that's hindering them from bringing glory to you? God, would you just do a work in this situation? Lord, we're not perfect people, but we're called to be holy. And so would you help us to pursue holiness, God, to be set, up, set apart for your glory, God? So would you do that work in us, God? Lord, you know our struggles, you know our weaknesses, you know where we fail. And in those moments, God, will you help us? Holy Spirit, will you be that voice that encourages us to say no, to stop it, to turn to you? Oh Lord, help us, God. Help us all in Jesus' name. Finally, I want to pray for anyone where maybe you have just really put all your security and all your, you know, your joy and your future in this life, in this world. I want you to know that this world will never last. That in God alone, there's total satisfaction, total fulfillment. If you're so convicted and you say, look, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I, I need to put my trust in God more. I need to look at God more and not this world. I want to pray for you. If that is you, can you raise your hands right now? Yes, anyone else? Thank you. God, I pray for those who raise their hands that they need help. They just need you to help them to uh, know that it is only in you that we are totally satisfied, that we are totally fulfilled in you. So would you help them in this time? Lord, may they find joy in you, in you alone. Lord, help them to let go of any idols that may be in their lives. 
and just look at you and focus upon you and pursue you. Lord, bless our church. Uh, thank you for the fact that we're turning 10. You've been so kind to us, but may we live uh, lives that bring glory to you. May we draw people to your cross. Will you give us all that we need to do this? Thank you so much for just speaking to the many people this morning, the first service and the second service, God. Lord, I just pray that you will continue to work in our hearts, that we don't just hear and then go away, but you would transform us so that we live every day for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we be upstanding? Can we just worship this, this time? As we begin to worship, maybe right now, maybe right now, God is... Uh, just doing business with you and you're doing business with God, you can just worship God in your own way. For those at home, you too, you worship God. Don't just leave now. Take this moment to worship God. Sing to God. Pray to God. Tell Him your desires. Tell Him your struggles. Let's just worship God. And then I'll come back and I'll pray a prayer of blessing as I send you off. Let's worship. Mm-hmm.